Hi, Dad. Hi, Celine. Did you know that you and I are about the same age if you count time living in the world? What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high-control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? <laughs> well, maybe in my head. The thing is, though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. <laughs> well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Hello and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine, And I'm Stephen. Right, okay, so we're going to talk about self-efficacy, Celine, today. Yes, yeah. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> We've heard the word efficacy a lot in the news because of um, COVID. People talking about the yeah. efficacy of this vaccine. That's right, yes. But what does it mean in this context? Yeah, so self-efficacy is a word, well, it's two words that psychologists use, but isn't really generally used. Mm. But it was introduced by a guy called Albert Bandura. Um into... Is he the same one that did the little babies hitting the dolls? The Bobo doll, that's it. Well, well remembered, actually. That's very good. Um, yeah, so he's very well-known and respected psychologist. And, um, yeah, we we're not going to talk about that research. No, so no. the one you're talking about is whether watching violent programs can make kids violent. Um, mm. That's quite. It's, that's an interesting one. I think we may have touched on it in other episodes but um, but this is about self-efficacy so what this idea is this concept is is that it's the kind of belief you have that you can achieve a specific thing mm. so i mean self-confidence if you like but self-confidence of a specific thing so self-confidence mm. is generally a generalized term you know somebody is self-confident means they tend to be self-confident in lots of domains um, you know, they're self-confident at school, they're self-confident at work, they're self-confident um, with strangers and so on. Whereas self-efficacy is a bit more specific. It's like saying, um, in this particular case, with this particular goal, how much do you believe you're likely to achieve the thing you're trying to achieve? So it might be that you want a promotion at work. If you've got high levels of self-efficacy towards that then you have high levels of belief that you can achieve that promotion, that thing that you're trying to achieve. Um, so that's that's what it is. Um, it's separate, as I said, from self-confidence because it it's more specific. It's more about one specific thing. Um, the other one that often gets mixed up with it is self-esteem. So again, self-esteem is more generalized. So that's how you feel about yourself generally. You know, I care about myself. I have um i suppose self-regard if you like that self-esteem self-efficacy is the confidence level if you like that you can actually achieve mm. a specific thing mm -hmm. um and the reason i wanted to talk about this today is because i think that's a big factor in both how cults manipulate people mm. and also in the journey out of a cult or a high control group how you kind of manage that um and it also i think is relevant to how cults keep people in 
So mm-hmm. it's actually got a lot of relevance for a lot of different areas that relate to cults, but it hasn't really been talked about, I don't think, in relation to that. So again, this is this is from the organisational psychology domain, and I, I've taken this this idea, and I think it'd be useful to or interesting to apply it to cults. So, what do you um, think? Yeah, let's go for it. Um, so, I mean, I think we've we said before that in courts you probably have so low self-efficacy um, yeah. by design of the court um you, you seem to agree yeah absolutely um so let, let's think about how relationships work um both in courts and in other kind of abusive um situations you think about uh, an abusive spouse or partner mm-hmm. Um, who continually undermines their partner's mm-hmm. ability to achieve something? You know, you'll ne- you'll never achieve anything. You'll never get that job. You know, you're useless. You know, you can't do. And sometimes it can be little jokes. It can be, uh, you know, quite low level. And other times it can be very abusive. But all the time, that's chipping away at the individual's belief that they can actually achieve that thing. You know, it's like I could never, I could never achieve that. Um, and I think you know when you listen to people's stories you hear quite a lot of that Um, from an XJW perspective from an ex-Jehovah's Witness perspective you know the world is such a terrible place you know you you know you're you're trying to survive in this horrible terrible place you're never going to be able to do it you know why would you want to even and so your belief that you can actually do anything else is is reduced constantly so I think I think there is a lot of that um, leaving the organization, leaving the cult. You know, how can I possibly do that? I don't, you know, I'm not able to do that. I can't, I can't survive out there. Um, you know, it's a terrible place and, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to do it. So I'm just going to stay where I am. I don't have the ability to actually make that break. So I think, um, and of course, couple that with some real difficulties, like maybe not having anywhere to live and not having not having any support from your family. If you leave, um, your your self belief, your belief in your efficacy to actually leave, get a job, get your mm-hmm. own house, um, lead a life, you know, find friends. All of these things are constantly undermined uh, to make you believe that you you have no ability to do it. Um. And we said there's probably, there are some uh, people that maybe have more self-efficacy in the group than others, because there is sort of, um, I try and encourage you to go, I don't know, for roots of, um, within the cult instead of like outside, so becoming an elder or something. Um, so we said maybe they'd be more they'd feel more like they have self-efficacy, but like controlled. Within certain thing so that's the Mm. that's the important point about self-efficacy what that actually means it's not a generalized thing so you couldn't do a like a test for how Mm. how much self-efficacy do i have generally Mm. um banjura is very clear about that this is not a generalized quality that people have Mm. unlike self-confidence for instance self-efficacy is about specific things Mm. and i think cults do that very well so they they might want you to be confident that you can achieve certain things Mm -hmm but very lack confidence that you can achieve other things. Mm-hmm. So yes, they, they want, let's say the young men in the congregation to believe that they can reach out 
for responsibilities is the way they would describe it. Mm. So they want young men to think they can one day maybe be a ministerial servant or be an elder um, and achieve these things that have some sort of status within the the congregation. Um, They want young men to think that, but they don't want young women to think that. They want young women to believe that they could never stand up on the platform and give a talk. Why would I want to do that? Oh, no, I'd just rather let the brothers do that. Um, So it's very, you know, as I say, self-efficacy is not about general confidence. It's about thinking, well, this is what I can do Mm -hmm. uh, and I can achieve this thing. um, And cults and high control groups decide what you should feel confident about achieving. Um, so things like being an elder, yes, have confidence in that. Yes, you can do that. Um, but things like leaving and having your own career, and maybe going to university or something like that, you know, that's that you're never going to be able to do that. You know, mm. so I think that's that's the way that um, that it works, and it's yeah, it's in in some ways, you know, the cults are very good at increasing levels of self-efficacy again for the things they want to to increase. So I was um, one of the things that I did actually enjoy doing. I think I've mentioned it before. Is I was asked to take the second school they called it. So we mm-hmm. used to have. They don't do this anymore, but in the meet at the meetings they used to have what they called a theocratic ministry school, where you'd be given uh, little assignments like a five minute assignment to do a talk or something, and then you'd be assessed afterwards. And actually, the the person the school overseer would say well very very good brother such and such you know you read this passage very well and you introduced it very well you use gestures here and mm. you uh you use a great illustration there when you talked about such and such. but this is an area that i'd like you to work on and you actually had a record card where you'd get marked on mm-hmm. your performance um and i was given the job of doing that so that was quite a a nice job and i really enjoyed doing that um but you would actually see some, uh, particularly young men, progress. And, you know, I, I remember one particular person had a really bad stammer and stutter. It was really, really bad. It was very difficult for him. And he, when he first started, um, you know, give him his absolute masses of credit. He would stand up on the platform and he would give a talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would get to these certain words where he would he would just stutter really really badly and he would find it very very difficult to get past these words but he did it he kept doing it and eventually he got to the point where he he could actually give talks without much of that at all mm-hmm. um, and I think a lot of that was the fact that he gained confidence in doing that and the way that he was given feedback and so on mm-hmm. so actually that was a really that was a good example of how a group can increase somebody's belief in themselves to achieve a specific thing mm-hmm. but as I say it's only the things they want you to think you can achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's quite interesting. You know, he definitely wouldn't be encouraged to believe in himself in terms of going and getting a degree or starting a business and, you know, becoming a successful entrepreneur or yeah. something. That's, that's not. Well, you know how you guys had a business um, yeah. and that was when you were in as well. Was that like all right, or did people think that was a bit like, oh, what are you doing doing that? Do you know what I mean? Uh, lots of witnesses have businesses. Um, yeah, you're, you just you're have to all... keep it. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. You had like self-efficacy to do that then. then... Yeah. Um, Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, you wouldn't generally be encouraged to, you know, be a big organization with lots of um, Mm -hmm. people working for you. Although that did happen too, you know, so there Mm -hmm. was, there were, there are exceptions to that. I can think of some specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but yeah, there's there's always a uh, you're discouraged from thinking about becoming a you know an entrepreneur. Really, that's not the identity that that the organisation wants for you. No, yeah. um, you know some people have it anyway, don't they? So this is the thing with self efficacy. It does it does have a relationship to self confidence. So if you do have a generalised sense of self confidence and belief in yourself, then of course mm. that tends to mean that in lots of areas lots of domains you might also have increased self-efficacy um but it's not the only thing um so yeah there there were there were young generally men again so women just don't get much encouragement to do anything really um but the uh, the men some of them would would start businesses and actually be quite successful um because they yeah they were confident um i don't know i don't know when this is going to come out in relation to mum's mm. interview but uh, one thing that wasn't mentioned is that nan had um her own businesses and then yeah. obviously that wasn't encouraged for the women so again that's another reason that she was being considered you know you know and they said maybe you're ill because you're not doing what jehovah wants and it you know yeah. things like yeah she had um like she said a market stall or she had um she was a a dog groomer so she you know had a poodle partner that that was her thing and you know she was actually quite good at business um apparently we are told she was quite good at running businesses and setting up businesses she set up a few Mm. yeah she she was good at that but Mm. she was discouraged from it um Mm. you know by the time i am able to remember things she did dog breeding but it wasn't um like an enterprise at that point it was you know, whittled down. Well, a bit. yeah, yeah, that's but. right. She she got too ill to do it, but no, she was she was a very good entrepreneur. What I thought would be interesting is to just dig into this self-efficacy thing a bit more. I mean, I should say that the reason why this is important is it crops up over and over and over again as a predictor for performance. So, in in uh, the workplace, uh, in organisational psychology, if you can measure people's self-efficacy then that gives you a really good clue as to whether they're going to achieve their goals or not. If people have high levels, then they're much more likely to achieve their goals, whether that is, you know, um, getting that promotion or achieving that uh, target or or whatever. Is it unlike um, resilience where, you know, with resilience, if you go too far, like everything's going to be fine and wonderful and it's all good, you know, like ultra, it's fine. Then you get, like uh, that can be bad yeah no that um, is true um too much efficacy uh can be a problem because so it's it, like resilience then yeah well it it leads in that respect it, it can lead mm-hmm. to excessive risk taking so you know right. if you if you believe that you can achieve something that actually mm-hmm. uh is going to require lots of risk taking uh mm-hmm. hubris you know I, I yeah of course i can you know, I can land that contract. Um, mm-hmm. Not a problem, and they really believe it. You know, it could be that actually they're unrealistic and unreasonable yeah. in their in their beliefs. Maybe people have too much self-efficacy to the religion. 
It allows yeah. you to take risks such as spend your life going to the meetings when you really believe, <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, I mean, that's stretching the concept a bit, but, but yeah. You know, I'm just having mean, fun yeah. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's um it's quite interesting. There's um there's three sources of self-efficacy according to the the theory. So maybe I'll go through those three. Mm. Um so one factor is called enactive self-mastery. So enactive self-mastery is it, it's it's simply trying it or trying elements of the thing you're trying to achieve mm. and sort of feeling yourself doing it and getting used to doing it so let's say you got a new job Celine and um, well actually let's say you were looking for a job in retail we won't go any more detail than that Um, but because you've worked in retail you'll probably feel quite confident about doing a job in retail Mm -hmm. because you've done a period of an active self-mastery. So for the last few years, you've worked in various different types of retail. Therefore, you feel confident that you can do it. So mm-hmm. you have high levels of self-efficacy, I would suggest probably, um, in going for a retail role. Mm-hmm. Um, if you went for a, like, let's say, data processing role, mm-hmm. um, maybe you'd have lower levels of self-efficacy for that. But if you got the job and spent you know some weeks training and uh, gradually doing it and you know you'd get you'd build your levels of self-efficacy so mm-hmm. actually doing the thing and getting some decent sort of feedback from the system um helps you to build your levels of, of self-efficacy and we know that you know the more you do it the more you think oh yeah i can do this yeah um and so that that is the most powerful bit of of uh, of increasing self-efficacy um you've also got role modeling um so role modeling is basically looking at somebody else and saying yeah i, I could do that I, I i could do that i could see what they're doing and i think i've got the ability to be able to do that i've actually seen it being done mm-hmm. so maybe when you start a new job you shadow somebody for a while, you watch what they're doing and you think, yeah, okay, I, I, I can see how you do that. I can see what they're doing there. I think I can do that. So that can build levels of, of self-efficacy. And the third one is verbal persuasion. So this is where the another person will say, yes, you can do it. You know, I really believe you can do it. Um, and this is where the feedback comes in. Um, as well so yeah that was a good job the bit you did there was absolutely perfect well yeah that's what managers do as well so you a either have experience already because you're moving from one role to the same role elsewhere or you have a training period where you're basically doing it under practice because someone else is with you so it's not going to go wrong and Mm. then once you're meant to be able to be good enough to do it on your own they watch you and then give you feedback on it and say Here's what you did well. Here's what you didn't do well. Yeah. That's right. And so these are very, um, I think, very intuitive things. I don't think there's any surprises that these three elements are the three that we we see being used in the workplace. Um, but if you think about the way that that works in cults, they do exactly the same thing. So the the thing I talked about earlier about you know giving talks, for instance, you first of all. Um, I would perhaps when I even when I was a child I remember my first time on the platform as a very small child I can't remember exactly how old I was but I was very little um, I went on the platform with my dad and I read a, a 
bit of scripture, bit of the Bible, because mm. part of the Bible reading, I read it to dad. Um, and that was my first introduction to being on the platform. Um, and then I got a clap afterwards because um, it was my first talk. And then people afterwards came and said how very well done, Steve. And you know, that was very, very good. So all of those kind of facets are there. So I, first of all, I I was given the opportunity to do a little bit, you know, just and then gradually next one, I did a talk on my own. I stood on the platform, faced everybody and read the Bible, said a little bit at the front, said a little bit at the end. So I'm gradually practicing, getting more confident about being able to do it. Um, also, I'm able to watch other people give talks. So I'm role modeling or they're role modeling that for me. I'm able to see what they're doing and thinking, oh, yeah, I can do that. I think I know what they're doing there. And then, of course, you get the the well done, Stephen, and you can do it. You know, you've got the you've got the skills to be able to, to do that, the verbal persuasion as well. So they're, they're actually very good at building up people's self-efficacy in the areas they they want to develop people do they build any self-efficacy for women because i can't think of any examples at the moment <laughs> yeah I mean, at the it, minute, i'm like what what do they yeah. what did what's yeah what what it, are the women it's a great getting? question we need to ask our next female xjw guest that question mm. don't we um to see what they think uh, my uh opinion of it would be that it's restricted generally to ministry stuff so going on the the preaching work so that is an area that they would want to increase women's self-efficacy and they were they did have to uh well have to uh is perhaps slightly strong but they were strongly encouraged to do talks themselves but the way they would do talks is as a little demonstration so they would have another um, sister another woman up there Mm. on the platform and they would do like a little a uh, little act well, out thing act out yeah. yeah you're the householder i'm the you know mm-hmm. uh i'm the person knocking on the door and they do a little five minute as as um ali miller called it a little play and she loved doing those mm-hmm. uh, which I, I thought that was so interesting that's one of our very first interviews mm-hmm. ali miller the author whose book comes out next year by the way mm-hmm. must look out for that mm-hmm. um Anyway, we'll we'll talk more about that when when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she described it as a little play, and she loved doing that. It was one of the few opportunities for her to sort of have a creative outlet in some respect. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that that was an area for women um, to to be a good preacher. Mm. Um, and then you're 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 down to being a submissive good wife, you know, looking after Ooh. children. Um, being submissive to their husbands, mm-hmm. being supportive, um, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So not not much, I would no, say. No. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think levels of self-efficacy in women are probably quite low. If you were to do a a study, um, which would be a really interesting study actually, to do a study into women's self-efficacy within these sorts of groups not just jehovah's witnesses but these sorts of groups that are very traditional in their role uh the way that that roles are distributed i think you'd find that women have very low levels of self-efficacy in a wide range of areas like being able to make decisions on my own being able to take the lead Mm -hmm. uh, being able to give talks um 
being able to go out to work and have a complex complex mm-hmm. job mm-hmm. lots of responsibility i think in my experience the women tended to have lower levels of belief that they could do those things yeah but all there were some women who were different i mean we 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 heard donna talk about how she felt about things mm-hmm. so so yeah per, individual differences do have a part to play here so some as i said some people will already have high levels of self belief which feeds in to their high levels of self-efficacy but yeah so I think that does uh, that does make a difference so I'm taking some of my uh, notes from a paper which is available I think without a uh, not behind a paywall Um, so I will put a link to this paper it's called self-efficacy it's from the Encyclopedia of Industrial Organizational Psychology there's a a little section here about undermining self-efficacy. So this is the way that things get undermined. I'll read you a little bit from this because it's quite interesting. Um, so it first of all talks about things I've talked about, how to increase levels of mm-hmm. self-efficacy. But then it says, these approaches contrast with the subtle, though common messages that individuals have low ability, which serves to erode their self-efficacy. Such such signals include consistently being assigned unchallenging tasks, Mm -hmm. receiving praise for mediocre performance, being treated indifferently for faulty performance, or being offered unsolicited help. Mm. Fault finding and personal criticisms are particularly destructive because these actions undermine motivation to explore and experiment, whereby individuals discover what they are actually able to achieve. Although encouraging messages can raise self-efficacy, attempts at building self-efficacy through verbal persuasion may easily degenerate into empty sermons unless they are soon supported by efficacy-affirming experiences. Mm. Um, So I think that first bit is actually really, really important. I just kept thinking about how... how, um... I might have uh, not sucked at math so much if I'd not had uh, certain teachers because they did all of the bad things. Yeah, really? Mm. Yeah. Well, I just was someone that was bad at math as far as I was concerned. And it Mm. is, yeah, but like interesting. It is really interesting. And it is so easy to undermine people's confidence that they can achieve something through those sorts Mm -hmm. sorts of things. I remember going back to my time as the, um, doing the, the theocratic ministry school i remember mm. there was one young man and um he was he was somebody who uh well he, he was diagnosed with autism mm-hmm. um and that meant he he struggled with communication a little bit but he, you know he, he could do a talk and he could mm-hmm. um he could do things um so he was on the school he, he was giving a bible reading and um i was responsible for giving him some of this feedback and um basically you know i I gave him lots of praise. That was a great job. You know, lots of great things about it, like this and like that and like the other. Um, So this is an area that I'd like you to work on for next time. So I asked him to work on this particular area. And um, somebody, uh, an elder came up to me afterwards or um, another time. And he he had this slip with him that I'd um, marked. He said, "Um, I want to talk to you about this uh, this particular brother. He said, "Um, I, I think we really need to give him encouragement 
Um, so I, I really don't want to make him work on something. He, we, at the moment, we really want to make just have goods on, on his uh, his record so that he, he builds up some confidence. Now, um, I think that that's the wrong way to build confidence. So mm-hmm. I gave him lots of praise, but said this is an area to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my view. Um, but he thought that actually, and, and I think this relates to this. So um, on that paragraph I've just read, one of the things that reduces people's self-efficacy is giving praise for mediocre performance. Mm-hmm. Never giving any feedback, saying that this is an area you could work on. Mm-hmm. So I think that was, but it, what it also did as well, it was undermining my self-efficacy, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. By that elder coming to me and saying, you see this thing you've just done, I'd like you to change it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember saying to him, I was only a young ministerial servant and this guy was, a, you know, quite an, getting on an elder. And I remember saying to him, no, I, I'm not changing it because I actually think that that, you know, is an area that he can work on. And I gave him lots of praise. There's absolutely no reason why he can't do that. Mm. Um, and, so, and he said, well, I think I'm going to change it. I said, well, if you change it, then if you're asking me to do this job, then you have to let me do it. Otherwise, there's no point in me doing the job. Mm. Um, and I thought that was, that was I've never forgotten that. That was one of the moments where I stood up to the elders because I thought, oh, that's, that's ridiculous. Give me the job to do and then telling me I can't actually do it. Mm. Um, but I, And I don't think it was particularly helpful for the, for the young brother either. So he, he stood where, where it was in the end. Mm. um but yeah i don't know if i'll keep that in why it was good so yeah so i suppose in conclusion um we can say that um you know it's a good it's a good thing to to remember that this idea of self-efficacy it's uh it's not a generalized thing so yes Mm -hmm. it's good for people to have general self-confidence or reasonable levels of self-confidence but when it comes to individual things people might be more confident in their ability to do it than other things Mm -hmm. And so if you want to build up people's confidence, self-efficacy, then it's about giving them chance to have a go. It's about providing opportunities to role model. And it's about giving praise. I also think it's kind of relevant to XJWs and the journey out. So as you're leaving, one of the things you can think about is how do I, you know, sort of try some of these things, practice some of these things. Also through like, podcasts and youtube videos when you hear people's stories and hear what they've achieved i think there's an element of role modeling there so that's one of the things we try to do is say look if you want to make music if you want to be a filmmaker you can actually do these things look at this person who's done that Mm. um so i think it's great to be able to listen to other people's stories because that's role modeling um i think the other thing is to surround yourself with with a positive community when you can um, sometimes communities can become a bit toxic so it's good to make sure that you're uh, you're surrounding yourself with people that give you positive feedback um, so I think it is relevant to the journey out of a, of a high control group as well um, so yeah that's I think that's the reason I wanted to talk about it actually in the first place uh, was because I thought it sort of resonated very well with yeah. with what we're trying to do here mm-hmm. 100% 
Good. All right. Well, thank you very much for that discussion. Um, we haven't done a band today. We've, um, I've got somebody lined up actually to talk yeah. to. Well, we said uh, we're not going to do music every. Can't week. do it every we'll be, time. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but um, we've got we've got somebody coming up probably in the new year. But um, see if we get some more bands and artists to do some stuff. Um, yeah. So thank you very much for listening to what should I think about. Bye. See you next time. Bye. What Should I Think About is an Evil Sheep production. <laughs>